Welcome in everybody to a Wednesday edition, a draft Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, sideline analyst, sideline reporter, and I've got the voice of Texans along with me to kick off the show tonight. Mark Vandermeer. Mark, it has been another, another crazy wild day in the NFL. We got plenty to talk about. Plus, we got a draft to do. Plus, we're going to learn a lot about Iki Iquanu. How are you doing, my friend? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Johnny. Look, this is quarterback craziness. I wrote about it in the Daily Brew on the Texans app, HoustonTexans.com. I mean, it's the most important position on the team. It moves the needle like nothing else when you have quarterback news in this league. Of course, the Texans are in the media storm of all this, uh, but kind of sitting back a little bit, waiting and seeing, not the team itself necessarily. Well, I guess the team itself, but you know what I mean, the big story. Yep. Uh, but these quarterback shifts are really interesting for this league. We knew it would be. And now that it's playing out, there's no shortage of stuff to discuss. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's plenty to discuss. We're going to get to the news of the day before we get to our draft. David Thompson, which ironically is the greatest basketball player in the history of NC State's uh, famed basketball program. But he also it's not the same David Thompson. But David Thompson also covers Iki Aquanu for NC State. So we're going to learn a little bit more as David Thompson sat down with DP Sidhu so we can learn a little bit more about big number 79. You'll hear that tonight. And then, of course, the Harris 100 will come out. You'll learn even more. And what you will find is that a lot of people will really like Iki Aquanu. Potentially at number three, potentially at number one. Iki Aquanu is going to hear his name early on Thursday night of the draft later in April. So we'll have that later in the show. But Mark. News of the day. So I'll let you pick it. You want to go non-Texans or you want to go Texans? Which one? Uh, let's go Texans first. I'll take Texans for 200, Alex. All right. Texans news for 200. This cornerback spent one year with the Houston Texans in 2021 after spending training camp in 2015. Ding, 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 ding. Who is Terrence Mitchell? Now, Terrence Mitchell will not be spending 2022 with the Texans. Apparently, he has been uh, informed that he is going to be released. Mark, your gut reaction to seeing starting cornerback Terrence Mitchell no longer with the squad as we head into the new league year. Uh, look, um, what are you going to do, right? I mean, you have a lot of different directions you can go here. Uh Johnny, I think this all plays into the team is going to look very different next year. We don't know who's going to be added. We're going to be watching very carefully for players released by other teams because of their cap casualty situations. And we're also going to be seeing names. And I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, seeing names that don't exactly blow up the marquee, but they kind of make you go. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of class it's going to be free agency wise for this team, if they do something that, you know, they bring in a, the equivalent of a Tyrant Matthew or some, somebody like that, I'll be very surprised, but you never know. I think they're going to build it slow and strong here. And I don't mean slow. I hope it's not slow in terms of improvement and, and amount of victories, but I think slow in terms of off season acquisitions, free agency wise, yep. that sort of blow you away and move the needle that way. Yeah. Well put, I think that's exactly the way to look at it. I don't, I mean, last year had kind of a, um, kind of a bargain basement bin DVD. Hey, let me see if I can find <laughs> old school for three bucks down at the bottom of the Walmart uh, DVD bin. 
I think this year it goes up a little bit, but I don't think you're in the, in the, in the high class, you know, 20 million a year free agents. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, of that caliber with Terrence's release. That has not been, at least I've not seen it yet from the team. It has been reported by multiple outlets with Terrence being released. That leaves the Texans depth chart at corner. Traymond Smith, Lonnie Johnson, TJ Green. I think he's more of a, more of a safety. He was a really good athlete. Um, you can always play Graylin Arnold at the nickel if Tavier Thomas has to go play some corner because Tav obviously played the nickel. And then Jimmy Moreland. So Desmond King is an unrestricted free agent. There's been, obviously, we've talked about who was going to come back, who wouldn't. Well, Terrence was on the roster. Desmond is technically not going right. into 2022. So maybe Desmond gets re-signed. This also brings to mind a conversation that I had last night uh, with my buddies Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy on Locked On Sports because Eric had done a mock draft, and he had mocked at number three to the Texans one Sauce Gardner, ooh, the 6'3", 200-pound corner out of Cincinnati at, at number third? three. At uh, number that's, three. That's wild. Now, Johnny, all right, before we talk about that or before that gets mentioned again and we elaborate on that if we are to do that at all, Tell me something about Lonnie at corner versus safety, because Lonnie, he's a corner. He's a safety. Now he's a corner. Is he going to stay a corner? How was he at corner? Is that really a better place for him? I think it's a fit in this defense. I think you would play. um, If you play a significant amount of man, maybe that's not the best fit. I think what we found with Lonnie when he went to safety is that, yeah, he had some interceptions. He was in the right place at the right time, but, he just never felt comfortable there. At least it didn't look like it. I felt like that was going to be his position just based on size, speed, range, all those kind of things. I thought he could be a, uh, a pretty solid middle of the field safety, even a guy that come up the box. He's not scared to be physical. But when they moved him back out the corner, I remember thinking, yeah, oh boy, I don't know if I like this. But then he got on the field. I thought this is pretty good. I think he fits this defense at corner. And that's okay. I don't know that he would fit a different defense at corner, but for this one, I think he fits at corner. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Lonnie step up into a starting role at corner and and really be that guy uh, at corner. So it could be kind of interesting with Lonnie to keep our eyes there. He's got it. Most importantly, he's got to just take strides in just his overall play. You know, things have got to clean up. You know, just there's a part of me that wants to tell Lonnie sometimes, stop talking and play. Just play. Just play. Right. Go to the next play. Here's the one thing I've learned about Lonnie over the last three years, though. That Joker loves ball. He loves football. He, he loves to play the game and loves his teammates. I mean, I've seen him in games where he's not playing and all he's doing is run down as a gunner or playing special teams. And he's all about cheering up, you know, pumping up his teammates. I, that's, I have a lot of respect for him for that. It's time now in year number four. Obviously, it's a contract year. So it's, it's time. So I think Lonnie could fit. But when Eric made that pick of, of Sauce Gardner, I was like, wow. And I think you had the same kind of reaction that you did. And then I thought about it a little bit. I was like, you know, it doesn't – it doesn't um, – it's not crazy. It's not crazy. And then you see the Terrence Mitchell news, and you're like, oh, it's definitely not crazy to think right. about corner. I just think there are going to be some corners. And I thought back to, to Lovey Smith's defenses – in Chicago, I thought about Nick Casario's defenses um, when he was with New England. Not his defense, but his you know, the Patriots' defenses. They've never 
really put first round, second round value in drafting corners. It's usually been third round, fourth round. You know, they found JC Jackson. I don't know where they found him, um, but they found guys. You know, Lovey Smith relied on Chris Ballard, who scouted DBs for a long time in the Chicago Bears. You know, he told us a story about Daniel Manning and Charles Peanut Tillman. Um, there's a corner of the University of Texas whose name is escaping me right now uh, that Ballard was high on. And Lovey drafted those guys with the Chicago Bears later in the draft. So I don't know if three is a bit too high for corner, kind of based on both Nick and Lovey's experiences. But if they were going to draft a corner, I think Sauce makes some sense because of how physical he is. If you bring Desmond back, then you got two Detroit guys, you know, two guys from the city of Detroit out at corner. So that gets kind of interesting. But that that's the news for the Texans. Terrence Mitchell well, released. And I'm going to miss him around the building, Johnny. He's a, a great kid. Big yeah. smile. You know, one of those guys with great hallway pres- presence. We had fun doing shows with him, interviews yes. with him. Uh, from the time you and I first interviewed him when he basically first got on campus or the first like contact we could have with these players in an interview setting. Uh, But back to the corner possibility at number three overall, what I find interesting about this is we always talk about pass rush, pass rush and Lovey Smith and the four, three and getting heat on the quarterback that way. And don't they need some extra help up front to be able to do that? And I think people, and I know you don't do this, but people get into a trap of that first round pick is the only pick you're going to have. It's the only acquisition you're going to make. Look, they were getting some heat on the quarterback last year and they, you know what they did. They didn't have a pick in the first, second round. They, they got free agents. They had some draft choices. They got some things done. They want to do better, of course, but who's to say with all the picks they have this year, this is prior to any kind of trade you make that you're not going to be able to get the help you need. And corner wouldn't be the, first overall pick for the Texans, meaning number three overall. But tell me, don't you feel like if that does happen, that's heavily Lovey influenced maybe, or a collaboration of Nick Casario, Lovey Smith saying, yeah, let's work on the back end. We know we can get pressure if we just get the right people, but this is a special player, whoever that player might be. Maybe it's sauce, maybe it's not, but let's, get the really special people on the back end as well, because we did suffer from time to time last year for sure in that area. And I think one of the things, obviously, you know this, but I think the biggest thing that has to be figured out is who you bring him back. If you can, if you can bring back Malik, if you can add another piece, if you can resign VT, if you can bring a couple of those interior guys that you liked from last year back you know, maybe to Mark, Marcus Walker, if you can bring a couple of those guys back and let's say you bring those guys back, but you can't bring back Justin Reed, then yeah. Okay. Um, you know, maybe the secondary is a place that you attack relatively early, but if you can't bring back some hosses up front, there are some hosses in this draft. This is a definitely an edge player draft. You can definitely find one of a high caliber early in this draft, middle of this draft, late in this draft. I think you can find edge rushers and interior guys in a lot of different places. I was not a big fan of the interior class, um, and I still, don't, I still don't love it. But the guys at the top of this draft, Jordan Davis from Georgia, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, um, those two in particular on the interior, uh, Federian Mathis from out of Alabama, those guys, I mean, they, they step right in and play for you right away and give you a lot on the interior. Edge rushers, man, it's just loaded. So you can play that game of, look, we can get a good edge rusher later, but I don't know that we can get the caliber of corner right now. That's a game you can play, but I think it also has to do 
with what happens in free agency over these next, you know, 10 to 12 days and obviously continues up until the draft. I mean, you've got decisions that you've got to make as far as linebackers go because Kamu and Christian, um, Christian Kirksey are both unrestricted free agents. You know, Neville Hewitt's an unrestricted free agent. Eric Wilson's an unrestricted free agent. Hardy Nickerson's an unrestricted free agent. So you've got holes at linebacker. Um, you've got some, obviously, up front. You've got five unrestricted free agents. Um, so you've got to fill, I think, some of those holes. And if you do fill some of them, then you can attack the secondary. If you don't, the draft is a good spot, I think, to find uh, some interior players. All right, your non-Texans news of the day was a whopper. And it impacts the Texans in maybe two ways, depending on how you look at it. I think the second way was probably not going to happen as it pertained to a potential trade of a Texans quarterback to the Washington Commanders. But it affects the Houston Texans because the Indianapolis Colts traded Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders, two third-round picks, a second-round pick swap. That second, third rounder in 2023 can turn into uh, a second rounder if Wentz plays 70% of the plays for the Commanders in 2022. Mark, when you saw the news, what was your gut reaction? I thought Washington paid a lot for Carson Wentz. That was my reaction. I thought, was the market for Wentz that thick, that strong? Did they have other teams that were pining for Wentz? Look, it's not like he went for a couple of ones. But, Johnny, this is a pretty big haul that the Colts yeah. are getting to get out of Wentz jail right now, which clearly they felt like they were in right. after what happened in the final two regular season games this past season and the fact that they lost a one to discover that he was not going to come through in the clutch for them. Now, look, if they had opted to run it back with Wentz just in a pure football sense, I think a lot of people would have been okay with it, but what you're hearing, some of the leaks from behind the scenes, yeah, it probably had to end and clearly it did end. So that was my reaction. It cost a lot for Washington relatively, but if he's going to really upgrade them that much. Okay. My other question is, is he really going to upgrade them that much? I mean, I'm not saying he's not better than Taylor Heineke, but, gee, you already have a guy who's kind of capable there. All right, injuries were an issue last year. Is there another way you can go? I'm sure they thought about it. Of course they did because they went for Wentz for a lot. I'm, I was shaking my head. I, I mean, my, <laughs> I shouldn't even tell you that. When I saw the news, you know what I did? I burst out laughing because I was like, oh, my gosh, Washington bit. And then I was like, of course, just like with the Russell Wilson trade, like, okay, what did they get? If they gave up a six for him, then yeah, okay, then, right. then okay, no big deal. They gave up two thirds in swap second round picks, and one of the thirds could turn into a second. I mean, yeah. what? What is yeah. what? So, I mean, Carson Wentz had every advantage going to Indianapolis. He had a great offensive line. He had Jonathan Taylor coming to his own. He had Michael Pittman. He had a couple of really good tight ends, although one of them has retired. And Jack Doyle. Still it's a Rolls Royce. I mean, he rolled right. Oh, and by the way, the coach absolutely 1,000% believed in him and went to right. bat with the Colts management, Ballard and Ursay, and said, this is the guy. Make the deal. And then 
they stepped in it by getting him. And then it doesn't work out. And now they're stuck with him. They're going to have to release him and the commanders bail them out. Like I, I just, I was dumbfounded. I was just like, what, what, what are you doing? Commanders. Now I, <laughs> from the commander's side, good luck. I mean, good luck. In Philadelphia, he rubbed everybody the wrong way. In Indianapolis, he rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, Leopard doesn't change spots. So it's, it is not going to be easy for Carson Wentz in Washington Mm-mm. at all. But now the Colts got to find a quarterback. And, of course, all the talk turned to Jimmy G. And when I was on with Matt Taylor in Indianapolis and he asked me about it, I said, why don't, you know, if Rodgers goes back to Green Bay, why don't they call about Jordan Love and just, just see? Just see if Jordan Love's available. And that's starting to leak out. So maybe I started a rumor. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, hey as a Texan, would you rather see Jimmy G there? Jimmy in G. Indy? Jimmy Are G. Are you kidding? I'd rather yes. see Jordan Love. No. Jimmy G. No, Johnny. No. Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy G's going to win games yeah, one in year, Indianapolis. One year. <laughs> he's going to one year. He's going to win like more games than Jordan Love. But Jordan Love hits. Man, we need Andre. We need Andre on the call. <laughs> Our buddy Andre Ware on the call because Andre will tell you about Jordan Love and how good he thinks he is. We yeah, do not. I, yeah, we need to phone a friend. Phone a friend. Phone into the show, Dre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would not want to face Jordan Love. I would rather face Jordan Love all day long because, look, I know that he didn't play well in the one appearance he had last year, the one start, right? Yes. He did not play well, could have been better. And had he played well, the market would be a lot higher. If he lit it up in that game, yes. three, four touchdowns and a great completion percentage and rating and all that and a victory, that would have looked a lot different in the trade market. But all that is besides the point. I think that Love having – he's got a lot of upside, but he's got to prove it. He's got to get there. And the Colts would be a good team to help him get there. But, look, you saw what I saw. Wentz, with all his experience, made some plays for the Colts. Yeah. Wentz, at his best last year, yeah, was know. really, really good. And we saw it up close and personal. Now, when he played the Texans – I was longing for some of those left-handed interceptions at the goal line, but we didn't get them. He played the good Carson Wentz brand of ball. He's just inconsistent. I don't know if Love has that level in him. He might, but he's got to prove that he can get there. I know Garoppolo can win right now in Indianapolis. I'm not saying win the Super Bowl, but win enough to make our lives miserable, at least from time to time. Oh, he so does not scare me. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't scare me. Uh, in that offense, he could be pretty good. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But then again, if that San Francisco offense doesn't enhance a quarterback's progress and production with the mm-hmm. movement that it hasn't, if he can't be ultra successful in the San Francisco offense. Yeah. Well, you saw what Armstead said. You saw, you, you read what Armstead said, right? What? Jimmy Garoppolo saved the 49ers. Oh, he did. Oh, that's true look i'm not a jimmy g guy i'm not but i just think that i know he's not the future maybe anywhere but he's pretty decent when he gets it going all right i'll give you that i'll 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 give you that all right we got to do our wednesday draft and we got to do it relatively quickly here's the draft here's the draft okay it's called the underrateds all right it's called the underrateds we have five categories five categories underrated texan underrated non-texans nfl player 
underrated professional athlete in a different sport, underrated movie, and underrated miscellaneous. We're going to go uh, in order to make it easy. We're can, go I go, can I go past or does it have to be current? Oh, past. Oh, Texan? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go past. That's fine. You can go okay. past. You can go current. It's up to you. It's up to All you. Right. You go first. Your most underrated Texan current past is? I'm going to go Dominic Davis. I think Dominic Davis is underrated. I think that when you look at the running backs in the history of this franchise, I might put him second behind Arian Foster. He had three years of about a thousand yards a year. He was really good catching the football. He was really good running the football on an offense that wasn't exactly built up front with the exception of our good buddy, Chester Pitts and Fred Weary from time to time. And Steve McKinney, I'm sorry, guys, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, Dominic to me was a guy who was underrated. When you talk about the history of really good players on this football team. I like it. My underrated Texan, I think it's common to go with offensive linemen because they never give any credit, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with defensive back Kareem Jackson. I know Kareem was a first-rounder, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but there were years in which Kareem was as good a defensive player as anybody that was on the field. And he had a tough 2010 season. J. Joe came in, and J. Joe got a lot of credit, for, and, and rightfully so. But I never felt like Kareem got that full credit for being the player that he was. And I feel like if Kareem had maybe gone to safety earlier, then maybe that would have come. But Kareem was a football player. I just felt like he was totally and completely uh, underrated. Okay, we stake back, so I go now. The most underrated non-Texans NFL player. This is hard because the name that, that pops up, I think, has an opportunity to go into the Hall of Fame. But it felt like he was overshadowed for a lot of his career. And some of that was because he's playing with 49ers teams that just weren't that, weren't that good. And he finally started getting some run when the 49ers did become good. But then Navarro Bowman got all the credit. I'm going to say most underrated non-Texas NFL players, Patrick Willis. Ooh. Got, he got some acclaim, but I think for as good a player as he was, he didn't get the credit that he deserved. I'm going Patrick Willis, non-Texas NFL player, underrated. Okay, I'm going to go uh, in the way back machine here, and I'm going to make it purely subjective, but that's what this thing is. It's yeah, your course. draft of underrated. Of I'm going to go, when you talk about great wide receivers in the history of this game, Super Bowl era, Wes Chandler of my oh. Air Coriel offense, I say they're mine because I own them. Uh, <laughs> Wes Chandler replaced the great John Jefferson who went to Green Bay, as some people might recall, some long-in-the-tooth people. And he was an excellent receiver for that San Diego Chargers offense. He had Charlie Joyner on the other side. But look, he put up a bunch of great numbers. And it wasn't like he was a household name. I mean, it was known around the National Football League back then. But I'm going to say Wes Chandler. It's very good. All right. We got to keep We got to cut it short. It was going to be five rounds. We're going to go to three. Okay. We're going to go to movie. And it's your pick. <laughs> Oh, man. Wait, you go first. If you got okay. one in the chamber, I got one. I got one between two. I got one in the chamber for sure. Okay. I never realized that I was such a big Sean Connery fan mm. until I saw a few movies with him. But my favorite underrated movie that I think gets no credit for being as good as it was, and it's one of my favorites of all time. I think it's completely underrated. It's called Finding Forrester with oh, Sean yeah. Connery and 
uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I, uh, I want to say Rob Brown, but I don't think that's him. Either way, it's a tremendous movie. I watch that movie and I laugh. I cry. It's fantastic. Finding Forrester is my most underrated movie with Sean Connery, who was absolutely fantastic in that movie um, as a recluse, former outstanding Nobel Peace writing uh, writer. I'm going with Finding Forrester as my underrated movie. Uh, it is Rob Brown, by the way. Rob Brown. And yeah. yeah, great movie. And Connery, the the old Connery is so full of charisma. He should have played James Bond as old Connery. <laughs> yes. Just have old James Bond. Who yes. cares? Yes. Just do it. Uh, you can't do that anymore. All right. My underrated movie. Look, I've got so many, Johnny. I'm going to settle on this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to kind of redefine the category here. Okay. Chick flick because Ooh. guys too often dismiss them. But the devil wears Prada is a fantastic movie for anybody with Anne Hathaway, Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci, numerous stars. Excellent film. I think it's underrated for a guy movie. This is a guy station, basically. I know I'm kind of stereotyping, but it sort of is, you know, the majority, whatever. Uh, I know there are many women listening right now. We love you. So and, you know, The Devil Wears Prada is a fantastic movie. And I think underrated because too many guys dismiss it because oh, it's a chick. Hey, no, watch it. It's good. It's a great movie. Not underrated is Icky Aquano from NC State. Let's learn more about him next on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. And Wednesdays, well, just like Tuesdays, have been crazy. Yesterday was Aaron Rodgers staying with Green Bay. It was Russell Wilson being traded to Denver. Today, it's Carson Wentz being traded to the Washington Commanders. Crazy times, and it might get even crazier in this town on Friday, but, well, we'll see what happens from a legal standpoint on Friday. What is not wild is the potential of taking an offensive tackle slash offensive guard, offensive lineman, pancake king at number three in the NFL draft, and that would be Icky Aquanu from NC State. Let's learn more about the big fella, DP City, who sat down with David Thompson, who's covered Iquano throughout his whole career in Raleigh. Today, we're talking about NC State offensive tackle Iki Iquanu with beat writer David Thompson. David covers NC State sports for USA Today. He is also the host of the Believe in NC State podcast. David, welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited about this next prospect. Well, thanks for letting me talk about him a little bit. I'm, I'm very excited for his trajectory, and, and it's been really fun to kind of see the world get introduced to, to Iki Iquanu. Yeah, Icky. We call him Icky, but his name is actually I-K-E-M. And I want you to set the record straight. I feel like a lot of people don't call him by his first name because they don't know how to pr- properly pronounce it. And as someone who has a hard to pronounce name, I feel like sure. we should just Absolutely. put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just Akeem. So, okay. It, 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 and I think you put it, you put it well earlier when it was, it's kind of like Hakeem, but without the H. So Akeem, yeah. Ikawano. Akeem Iquano, known as Icky. One of the first things I read about Icky was that he's the most feared lineman in the ACC, according to some writers. So what are the strengths of his game and, and what did he do to really earn that moniker? You know, it, it's always funny to hear that because we, you know, I've talked to him a lot off the field and he's just like the gentlest, sweetest, funny guy, you know, likes to prank his roommates. But when he gets on the field, and I think you see this with the top prospects, the best guys in the league, like it's a it's a switch that flips. Right. And he just kind of likes to, I don't, I don't want to say hurt people, but he likes to put people on the ground. He's, 
his big thing at NC State was pancakes. And after every pancake, the coaching staff would give him a bottle of syrup. And I think he left with 120. I mean, it was a ridiculous amount of syrup that, and we always talked about, it's like, what are you going to do with all that syrup? He's like, I, I can't eat that many pancakes. There's not, I think he was donating syrup bottles to people and, <laughs> um, you know, maybe want to get like stock and Aunt Jemima's or whatever, you know, whatever the, the syrup companies are now. But um, I think, and you saw it in the combine, just how quick he is and how strong he is and and just that skill set that there's the intangibles right the size the stuff that you can't coach but i think his mental fortitude as well as his as well as his quickness and strength is just going to make him you know one of those potential 10 to 12 year pro bowl guys that that are really kind of a foundation of, of an offensive line and potentially a team like like the texans that are really trying to rebuild from the ground up yeah, the Texans are picking number three overall, and he's a really interesting prospect. A lot of mock drafts have him going to the Texans, if he even makes it to the number three pick, because his showing at the combine was so strong. I mean, his his speed, his footwork, I mean, for a man that big to move as quickly as he did, it was it was really impressive. And a lot of people think that he might have made the case to be the number one overall pick in right. the draft with his combine performance. How much do you think that did help his draft stock uh, with teams, seeing him in person, talking to him, going through the interviews at the combine. I, I mean, absolutely. I, if you see someone like that, I mean, for these teams that are are normally in the first, you know, one through 10 slot, they're either looking for a quarterback, they're looking for someone to protect their quarterback. And he's that guy. He was that guy at NC State. I think in his four years, I think he allowed like one sack his entire career. So that's, that's the guy you want uh, protecting your quarterback's weak side. And, and with you know, the speed and strength that, uh, that with opposing defensive ends and guys coming around the corner, like you want someone who can match that. Um, and then I think you also want someone who on the line can is smart enough to understand the calls, the reads and, and be able to, you know, change quickly to be able to audible. And, and he just, he has those mental and physical strengths that I, I think I would think people are looking for. No one's asking my opinion. You're the first one to act, actually ask. You know, no <laughs> one's saying, hey, who are we going to spend a million dollars on? Let's talk to David Thompson. But um, from what I've seen and what I watched the combine, I mean, he was definitely, he, he stood out. Yeah, you mentioned the the physical and, and the mental strengths and his family background is so intriguing because he comes from a long line of of athletes and his family. And then he also got into a couple of Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale. So what about right. that combination? I mean, how did you really see that play out just in his persona, in the way he attacks the game and, and the way he played on the field? Well, it's funny because you think in a family when you're the potential number one draft pick, you're like the most exciting, you know, that's all they talk about. They're like, you know, we got doctors, we, we've got another son who is, you know, does a lot of like animation for some, you know, big time program, like everyone in that family is really impressive. So they're like, eh, you know, you're like third in line. That's cool. You play football. That's, that's exciting. <laughs> and for his, you know, his, his dad and his mom, who I, I talked to for a, a couple of stories, you know, football was, was secondary. They're like, that's really great. But education was the most important thing. You know, he's one of those like 3.8, 4.0 GPA kind of guys. And I, I just think it's, it, we see it all the time. It's really important to not only have the physical attributes, but to kind of have, you know, the in between the years kind of thing. And, and he's just got a really great supportive family. And, and I, obviously the money is very important and very exciting, but it's, I don't think it's what drives him. Yeah. I, ju I just think all around, he's just a really insightful, interesting young man. I talked to a lot of kids who 
my background, I used to cover high school sports and I, you know, talking with a lot of college athletes, sometimes there's not a lot of great perspectives from 18 to 21, 21 year olds, you know, they haven't experienced a whole lot of life. And he really already is talking about the things outside of football that interest him, the things that he likes, you know, he's just a well-rounded guy. And I think you need someone who has more than just football. Yeah. I mean, speaking of well-rounded, I thought his media availability at the combine was just one of the, the most entertaining. He really went viral for uh, just talking about, you know, his love of musical theater. I feel like it really gave everyone a sense of his personality and how much fun he is. I mean, he, he rattled off all the musicals that he'd been in, like in middle school, like 101 Dalmatians and Jungle Book. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you got a chance to cover him and 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 see that side of his personality. What, what else have you learned about him, personally speaking, in your time covering him? I mean, you know, that was one of the things where when you're like the local beat writer and you see that come out, you're like, hey, I wrote that story first. Excuse <laughs> me. Where's my credit? I, I know right. you guys knew to ask that. You already knew that. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that that was one of the great things is like, yeah, to imagine that kid, you know, very large fifth grader, you know, being the Jungle Book, <laughs> the aristocrats. Um I think one of the great things me, that me and him had in common in high school is that we we both sold Cutco knives. Um, oh. I, la- I lasted about a month. He was their top salesman for like three summers in a row. Tremendous. So yeah, so he's that kind of guy. Um, and he also, you know, he's made a lot of money with like Bitcoin and things like that. Like he's an investor. He's smart. Um, and I think, I believe that's, yeah, he studies business administration. So he's already like, that kid is going to, whatever kind of money he gets, he's going to, figure out how to make more that money will make money and then also there's like things that he's like a a big time prankster and he'd like to prank his room his roommates and stuff like that and all the guys around him that I talked to would just say like you know it's just a a lot of laughter a lot of fun and just kind of you know like he he didn't big time anyone he was just a kid who really enjoyed the experience and and loved his team and they loved him back and and of course his quarterback loved them because you know he stayed off the ground because of them All right. Well, speaking of his football skills, he started at left tackle for North Carolina State as a true freshman in 2019. He earned freshman All-American honors. What do you remember most about him as a freshman? And at what point did you think, hey, this guy could be the number one overall pick in the draft? So I've been covering NC State now for two years. So I don't know. To be honest, I was uh, I think I was in You're not covering him as a freshman. I was I just so I did not see him as as a freshman, but I saw him in his last two years. And I think it was coming into this season where there was kind of I, the athletic did a big profile on him. And that's where this most feared lineman in the ACC sort of came out. And then it was kind of like, OK, eyes on this guy. And and he's just really been since he's been recruited, has been this sort of development diamond. You know, it's like he, he had it there, but the amount of work he puts into his game really started showing off. And then his physical attributes caught up with that. And I, so I think it was coming into this season, it was like, this is, this is a guy. And then as the season just wore on, it was like, he is absolutely, he just physically, you'd see him on the line. He's just, he's, you know, we're up in the press box. He's incredibly easy to spot because he's so big. He just, he looks like an NFL guy playing with college, college guys. And then I think now when you've put him on the combine with everyone else who has that same goal, the same dream, the same attributes, and he shines the way he does, you're like, we, there's no question anymore. He's a top five guy in this draft and and potentially, you know, a Hall of Fame player. He also played 200 snaps at left guard. So, I mean, is that something, is there something there that 
teams might start him at, at the guard spot. What did you think about him? Did you, would you get a chance to see him play guard versus tackle, or is it just something that's a blip on the radar? Well, I think when you you have that much talent in, in, in NC State, especially on their their line, had a lot of injuries, and so they kind of just had to you know put him where he needed to be, and because of his skills, he can do that. But he'll be you know, they're going to be looking for him as, as a left tackle, but it's one of those things where injuries happen. And and if you can be flexible and you can, you know, move around on that line, then that just makes you even more of a commodity. All right. I know it's kind of hard with offensive linemen to gauge this, but do you have a most memorable matchup or game of, of Aikis that you've covered that really stands out in your mind? I, th- I think just thinking of the, the teams that they played, the way that he he played against Clemson. I mean, the, the thing is, is, is that he's one of those guys that you don't you almost don't have to account for. You're like, OK, Icky's going to take care of this side. The problem's going to be over here. So you almost don't focus on it because you're like, we're not worried about that. You know, and if anything, like we know that they're going to run around him a lot. So, you know, that would be a lot of things. That, that's something to kind of look at. But with NC State this year, they really didn't run the ball as much as we expected. So a lot of what he was having to do was back up and protect the quarterback. And and for the amount of times that they passed the ball that Devin Leary didn't hit the ground on his side was was very impressive. It seems like everything's sort of come very easy to him and very naturally to him. But uh, is there some instance of adversity that he's gone through that you saw him come out at the other end? Well, sure. I mean, in in high school, it was his it was his twin brother, Osita, who was who was the big man on campus, you know, it was a four-star linebacker and was really kind of the reason Icky ended up getting looks because everyone was coming to see his brother and his brother ended up going to Notre Dame has, you know, has, has done okay has obviously not shine the way that his brother did. But I think, I think that adversity of, of being overlooked of, of kind of being like, ah, you're the other brother really stuck with him, really motivated him. And, and I was actually, I was talking to our, in our North Carolina uh, recruiting guy and he was telling me that I think for Dave Dorn this is going to be their third first round pick who was a three-star coming out of college wow. or coming in coming into into college out of high school so NC State has done a really good job of kind of finding these diamonds in the roughs these guys who are like okay I see the the potential and I think Dave Dorn deserves a lot of credit but Icky is just one of those guys who became very determined at a young age and knew what the goal was knew what the dream was and and Luckily, his physical attributes were able to sort of link up with that. All right. Well, speaking of potential, now you've got me intrigued about NC State prospects. What about further on in the draft? Let's say uh, you, you get you get past round one. It's not icky. Are there any other NC State prospects that maybe Texans fans should have their eyes out for? So I know you guys are looking for a running back, right? We're looking for everything. Open We're looking for everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think um, Zonovan Bam, Bam Knight, who was um, sort of the one-two punch at running back for NC State, I think what's going to get him in the door is he's a great kickoff returner, had two returns for touchdowns, super speedy, great vision. And we actually talked to him a lot about, you know, him developing that skill. And he said, you know, I know I'm going to need something else than just being a running back. And I think that's going to get him in the door. You know, it could be like a sixth, seventh round kind of thing, but he'll be on special teams. I think they're going to see his talent, his work ethic, and really his, his speed. Um, and that'll get him maybe as like a third down back to begin with, but he's a, he's a prospect. He's someone who could kind of work his way into lineups and, and have some more time. And, and I think actually end up having, a pretty decent little NFL career. Well, that's exciting to hear. And I love the nickname Bam, especially for a running back. That's a 
Solid so name. It, it comes from when he was a he was a kid. He was obsessed with I think it was the Flintstones, and he used oh, to bam, bam. walk around and bam bam things. And so <laughs> and that's his uncle was like, man, you just like bam bam. And then so he shortened it to bam because bam bam, bam. Was so much. But <laughs> the single bam, I like it. Yeah, All right, just bam. Just one bam. All right, David, thanks so much for the time. David Thompson, he covers NC State, and uh, we're talking Icky Aquanu. But before I let you go, David, people can follow you at Dave TH89. And I know you did a pretty lengthy podcast with Icky Aquanu in the past. Why don't you tell people where they can find that and, and what they can hear on that? So if you go find that story on uh, Akeem Aquanu, uh, at the bottom of the link there, or at the bottom of the story, there is a link to the Believe in NC State podcast with Icky, where we talked for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, uh, just about, it, I think it really gives you a good uh, a good sense of his love of football, but just kind of how well-rounded of a, of a guy that he is. And, and he's really funny and engaging, and it's just one of the greatest interviews I've ever done. And it was very, it, was a, it wasn't a and a it was just two people hanging out talking, and I really enjoyed that. And, and I think if Texans fans want to know a lot about him, that's, that's the best way to get to know him, or read my story, too. Icky Aquano the Texans. Man, I really would love to see that happen because that offensive line would grow in nasty tenfold. He is a tremendous player, great athlete, wonderful young man. So that would be a great fit if the Texans – uh, want to add Ike Kwanu to this offensive line at number three. Great stuff, DP and David Thompson. We get back. We got a shorty. We'll do a little around the NFL to close things up next right here on Texans All Access. 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 Boy, I really felt like starting this final segment a little shorty we've got here on Texans All Access on this Wednesday evening with some some soap opera music because it's, you know, as the NFL world turns – that's the way this thing feels every single day. There's just new news. We get back from the combine. I'm finishing up the Harris 100. I get that thing done, and then it's Roger staying in Green Bay, which I sort of expected. But then Denver makes the deal for Russell Wilson, and the talk the combine had been Russell Wilson was going to stay with the Seahawks, or at least that's what Pete Carroll said. Then he gets traded. And then today, it's Carson Wentz getting traded to the Washington Commanders, and it wasn't too much of a surprise that Carson Wentz got traded, but it's what the Colts got back in return. They got two thirds. One of those thirds could turn into a second with 70% plays by Wentz in 2020. And they also got all the cap relief. The commanders took on the whole contract. So, wow. And then, of course, Texans news. Terrence Mitchell released today. I hate that in the sense that T. Mitch was one of the better guys. I mean, you never saw him without a smile. He was a fun guy to have around. Made a couple of big plays from a turnover perspective. The punch out he had against the Patriots at the goal line was huge. But the business of football takes over at this time of year, and the league year is about eight days away. Big thanks to David Thompson, the DP City, to Mark Vandermeer, my man Austin Mendez back in studio. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Texans.